Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Amen. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, band. That was fantastic. Uh, let me just get my two sheets of A4 out. You'll be glad to know that. Seven or eight, just a couple. I went old school today. I didn't bring my iPad or my laptop. I thought I'd just go old school and get some sheets of paper. And I've typed it out so it's legible. Because I can't always read my own writing. It comes with the job. Okay, so... So, Advent to peace. Um, I did what you do when you have to talk about peace or anything, and I had a look on the internet. And I thought, how do you define peace? Let's just start there. So, I have, if we flash it up, I've got the awesome Chloe in slides. Peace. So, this is, a, this is from the Oxford English Dictionary, so it must be true. And they've defined peace in a bunch of ways, right? The first way they've defined peace is freedom from quarrels or dissension between individuals, especially between people and God, initial early use, a state of friendliness, amity, concord. So that's kind of more a relational kind of a thing, right? Peace between people, peace between people and God. The second definition of peace is kind of more of a state. It's freedom from anxiety, disturbance, emotional, mental, or spiritual, or inner conflict, calm. Tranquility. I love that word, tranquility. And so that's how uh, a regular person would define what peace is. So as we talk about peace, as we think about peace, the word that we translate peace is actually from the word shalom in the Hebrew. So I did a bit of digging on that, and there it is. I even put the Hebrew up there. And it's derived from a root denoting wholeness or completeness. And the notion of shalom is to do with the notion of perfection or shelimut. I'm not sure if that's how you say that in Jewish literature. It's a Hebrew word that means peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and again, that word tranquility. And as I was thinking about peace, the first thing that popped into my head when I was thinking of what to say about peace was a verse that Wade actually quoted in his really good talk last week. If you missed that, find it on YouTube, find it uh, on the website, have a listen to that about hope. Because the first thing that popped into my head is that when you think about peace in our day and our generation, actually, there's a, there's a kind of an element of bad, I was thinking, there's an element of kind of bad news to it. There's bad news. When you think about peace and think of our world, you don't see a lot of peace around. And I began to kind of turn that over and kind of mull it over. And it kind of got me thinking about a thing called, well, thinking about the weather, but got me thinking about Markathon. Anyone here know who know what Markathon is? Anyone? There are a few Markathoners in the church. There's a Markathon WhatsApp. So I thought I'd tell you a wee, a wee story. There was a guy from the south side of Glasgow called Marco, and he's an ultra runner, and he loves to run. And about, I don't know, nine, ten years ago, as he came into the winter, he thought, it's pretty bleak, pretty dreech, and there isn't really anything to run or prep for. So he came up with this notion that why don't I have some sort of target or something to do 
for the winter. So he put together this idea that he would get up and go out for a run every day in December and he would do eight, um, he would run for either three miles or 25 minutes, whatever came first. And he set this thing up and as things, things often do on the internet, kind of, it kind of caught hold and people do it all over the world now. So it's a thing. So Rehope actually has a Markothon group. I don't know if you knew that. So every November, as you get into, as you get towards Markothon, there's a bit of chat late November. Who's doing it this year? Who's in? Who's out? Who's up for it? Who's got an injury? Who's blah, blah, blah. And then and amongst all that, there'll be chat about the weather. And, you know, I'm not really sure. It's always streaks. I was miserable. And as we were doing that, the Andersons, Timmy Anderson and the Joe or Marco Thonas sometimes, they've moved to America now. And Timmy kind of pinged up the weather forecast for where they are in America. And I've got a picture of that. And then I think Harriet pinged up the weather forecast for Glasgow. And oh, if you look at that picture, oh, that's a, there's a, okay, so... Both pictures you have are a picture of the weather in America. And what Timmy Anderson's picture shows is it's mostly sunny. And what Harriet's picture, the picture on the left should be Harriet's, and that showed in her WhatsApp chat it was mostly cloudy. And then there was lots of chat about, oh man, the weather in Glasgow sucks, blah, 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 blah. And as I was thinking about peace and thinking about kind of climates, that is what kind of came to me about the world that we live in and the climate that we have around us just now, that actually, when we look around us, there isn't a lot of, we don't live in a climate of peace. The world that we live in is a bit broken. It's a bit kind of messed up. And just like we have no control over the weather, we have no control over whether you live in Hillsborough in New Jersey and it's sunny, you live in uh, Kelvin Side and it's mostly cloudy. We have no control really over our climate, we have no control over it. Our world is broken, it's broken by sin, broken by sinfulness. And if the verse that popped into my head when uh, I began to think about peace is a verse that Wade quoted last week. And it's Jesus talking to his disciples and he said really four or five, really six words, seven words. In this world, you will have trouble. And I think that that's something that's quite sobering to think about. It's quite sobering to have to accept. And I don't think that we really always appreciate the impact of those words. I think that sometimes we don't really understand what that means. And we, we don't get the fact that Jesus says, in this world, we will have trouble. We will have trouble. It's a fact. It's guaranteed. And the reasons for that is because of the fall. There are, if you know your history, if you know your history of humanity, there are four main events, right, that happened in the history of humanity. God created man. Man rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden. Third is God made a way to restore the broken relationship. And the fourth is that God will one day restore us people to a place free from that brokenness. But the reality is that we live in a world that is broken, is damaged by sin. And the consequence of what happened in the Garden of Eden is the world isn't right and cannot be right. And I think we have to kind of understand that because until we understand that, there is a tendency to not always appreciate why things are difficult. It's like trying to run uphill all the time because the climate around us spiritually isn't conducive to peace, to shalom. Um, the other thing that's really important to remember as we think about peace and the absence of peace is that 
we have an enemy, okay? I don't know what your worldview is. I don't know what you believe. I don't know what you see when you look around you, uh, as you look around the uh, news and all that sort of stuff. But the reality is that we actually have an enemy. There is a force for evil in the world. The Bible tells us that. In 1 Peter 5 verse 8, Peter writing to a bunch of Christians says, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Jesus himself was talking and he was talking in a, about, about sheep and a shepherd, him being the good shepherd. And he said, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And again, that's quite sobering that all of us, you may not think it, but there is a force for evil out there. There's a fallen angel out there who is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I say that not to frighten you or give bad vibes. I hope I'm not doing that. But it's just the truth, okay? There is a force for evil out there that seeks to steal, to kill, to destroy everything, every single thing in your life that is good, wholesome. There is a force out there trying to tear that down. There's a, and that's just a fact. There is a famous phrase that I put up there, Ron Canoli. Who knows Ron Canoli here? Yes, okay, good, Ron Canoli. If you are my age or a bit older and listened to worship music in the 90s, 90s, Ron Coley was a big deal. A couple of brilliant albums. And one of, the bits of bump, one of the bits of kind of intros to one of the songs that he sings is this phrase, there is no demilitarized zone. And I think that's something that we need to realize. That's, it's, we live in a spiritual climate. We live in a spiritual battlefield all the time. We don't always see it, we don't always appreciate it, we don't always think about it, but it's in the Bible, in black and white. So don't be surprised then, do not be surprised that sometimes things are hard, things are painful, things get messy, things go wrong, because all the good things in your life, your health, your relationships, your future, all the things in your life that are good, the people in your life, there is somebody out to destroy that. And we live in a world that's fallen, fallen and we are broken and the world that we live in is broken. So everything around us is broken. But, but, but this is the good news. The good news is that God didn't leave it like that. That's why Advent is a huge deal. That's why Christmas is a huge deal. I don't know if you, like me, you love the lights, you love Christmas trees. We're having a kind of family debate right now as to what kind of tree to have this year. It's not quite resolved yet, but, you know, love Christmas trees, love Christmas lights, love the food. I love my mum's food, love the, my mother-in-law's food. Um, great, there are great things about Christmas. I love the fact that all my families are in one place at one time. Um, it's fantastic. By and large, I'm blessed. And I know that Christmas isn't always easy for everyone, but there's a lot of good things about Christmas. But the very best thing about Christmas, the reason Christmas became a thing is because it is when God stepped in to the world to try and fix the brokenness of the world. And that's why we have Advent in the run-up to it to commemorate to kind of preempt the fact that actually at some point, whether you celebrate in December 
or January 6th, whatever your thing is, the date is irrelevant. The event is what matters, that God came into the world to provide a way for us to have peace. And this verse, John 16.33, that Wade quoted last week, is one of my constant go-to verses because the line that I quoted you is actually the meat in a sandwich. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's about to get, Jesus knows that he's about to get arrested. He's about to be falsely tried and falsely, you know, things put on him, executed wrongly for things he hasn't done. And so he's telling his disciples that, listen, he downloads a whole bunch of stuff on them in John 14 through 16. And as he gets towards the end of it, he can probably see the disciples are getting stressed and a bit anxious about what he's saying. And he says something, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but, but, Take heart, I have overcome the world. And I can't help but read that. And as I was thinking about that a couple of days ago, I thought it's interesting the juxtaposition where Jesus says, In me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble. In me you may have peace. Take heart, I have overcome the world. And as we think about peace and the search for peace, the search for peace is actually a search for a person. It's not a search for a, an abstract thing. It's not a search for something you define. If you are looking for peace, if you're wanting peace, then what you're looking for is a person, and that person is Jesus. And that's a huge, that's, that's, that's a big deal. Um, it's a big deal. Jesus himself said a couple of things about that. He says, um, earlier on today, this is a digression, but there's something that we shared at pre-service prayer about something Jesus said about peace, which really kind of, I thought, I didn't really think about that, but it was really powerful. It's another thing where Jesus says, talks about peace, and Gareth was sharing that. I'm going to dig it out. Give me two minutes while I look in my phone. It's John 14, 27, where Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give, I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. My peace, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. The only way to have peace in its fullest, fullest, fullest sense is to know Jesus. To be in relationship with him. And to have him at the center of your life, your situations, your struggles. And that's a question I want to kind of leave us with today. Where is Jesus in your life? I was thinking that, you know, as I think about knowing Jesus and having Jesus at the center, there are probably three scenarios that kind of came to my mind. The first scenario is you might be here today, you might be online and you don't know Jesus at all. You know about Jesus, you've heard about him, then I would encourage you to try and find out about Jesus. Get some information. Google Jesus. Anyone Google Jesus recently? It's fascinating if you Google Jesus. I did a Wikipedia search on Jesus uh, when I was prepping this. It's quite interesting what you see on Wikipedia about Jesus. Because Wikipedia says, tellingly, Wikipedia says that Jesus of Nazareth was a guy who definitely lived. 
and he definitely was around 2,000 years ago. And Wikipedia says it must be true that the, that the only contemporary stories about Jesus are the ones written by people who are around him, and those are the Gospels. And I thought that's quite interesting, because what that is telling me is that if I want to know about Jesus, then the only contemporary accounts of who Jesus is and what he did is in the Gospels. So if you're in that place where you don't know Jesus or you want to know about Jesus, then get, your, get a Bible, go online, find one, and start reading the Gospels. Laura was doing the plug for Alpha earlier. If you want to know about Jesus, come along to Alpha. Come along in January, sign up now, get involved, and it's a great, um, it's a great way to find out a bit more about Jesus and what he had to say and what his message was. It may be like I would imagine the vast majority of us here in this church, in this building today are online, that you do know Jesus and you know about him and you have a relationship with him. The question I'd be asking you, the question I ask myself regularly is, where is Jesus in my life? Where is Jesus in my struggles? Where is Jesus in my current struggles? Where is Jesus in my current doubts, dilemmas, conflicts, the bits of pain in my life right now? Where is Jesus in that? I was involved in a situation at work a couple of months ago where there was a whole bunch of conflict and I did things I probably shouldn't have done and said things I shouldn't have did and reacted with I shouldn't have reacted. And as I thought about that afterwards, I thought, you know, you didn't really involve God in any of that. And I think that even though I know God and I know Jesus, sometimes in moments, because I'm a broken person, I don't involve God. And all of us, all of us who know Jesus will have moments or situations or scenarios where you can look back and say, you know what, that kind of happened and that, I didn't involve God in that at all. I didn't think about that, pray about that, invite Jesus into that situation. So that's my question for those of us who know Jesus. Where is he in your life? Where is he in your struggles? Where is he in your current anxiety? What's that thing that's in your mind that you're really thinking about right now with the other half of your mind because you're obviously paying attention? What's the thing at the back of your mind that you're thinking about and is Jesus involved in that situation or that conflict or that dilemma or that question? And I challenge you to say, to say, listen, God, this thing is there. It is, it's an issue. Will you be involved in that as messy ugly, sinful, difficult as that is. Jeremiah 29, 13 is a, it's a really simple verse and it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. So where is he in your current struggle? The third thing I thought, the third kind of scenario I imagined is there will be some of us right now who are in just a really difficult situation. Life is painful. There is an absence of peace because of, I don't know, major illness, a bereavement, major loss, um, a betrayal. Uh, something terrible has happened around you that you kind of have no control over and it just has taken your peace away. And I guess what I would be saying to you is that God sees you and God hears you and God knows your situation and knows your struggle. God knows your struggle. God knows the pain you're going through. And God sees that, your absence of peace. He is aware of that. And this might sound, this might sound trite to remind about God, but it really is true that eventually God will sort it out. Eventually. Maybe not right now. Maybe not this year. Not next year. Maybe not in this life. But eventually, God will sort it out. Revelation 21 is another wee 
great, great reassuring thing to kind of build our lives on in moments when things are a bit dark and a bit, you know, terrible. And it's, uh, yeah, John, I'll just read it out. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. It's a great promise to have. If you're in that place where everything is difficult or something is very, very difficult to know that there will come a time and there'll be no more death, no more pain, no more mourning, no more crying. I look forward to that because I look forward to that. I hope you do too. As we finish, I've got three challenges for you related to those three situations. If you don't know Jesus and you're here today, then go up for prayer. Sign up for Alpha. Find out more. If you know Jesus but want to know more wholeheartedly, then think of specific areas of your life you might want to grow in. Is it praying? Is it reading the Word? Is it time with other people? Fellowship? Is it sharing God's Word? And make a commitment now for 2023. I don't know if you're the kind of person that likes to think about areas in your life you want to grow in in the next year. I do a thing called BHAGs where every November, December, I start to think about the year coming and say, what are the big, hairy, audacious goals I want to see God do in my life in the new year? So if there are areas of your life you want to grow in, then just start to think and pray about, uh, pray about them now and make a commitment for that for the next year. Um, and if you're in a tough situation where things are just really difficult, really painful, then please, please, please go up for prayer. Get someone to pray for you. Pray about, pray about it. And I'll be praying specifically, ask God to let you see or feel or know his presence in your pain right now. Ask him to be present. Because when you're in a difficult situation, often you just have a sense that God isn't around. So just pray specifically for God's presence in your pain. And pray specifically for God to anchor you to him in what you're going through. Let's pray. Father, Son, Spirit, thank you for your love. Thank you because although we're a broken people in a broken world, you did not leave us that way, but you came down, Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, to bring peace, to offer us peace. If we choose to know you and to follow you, we, we, we love you. Thank you, Father. I pray for all of us, Father. Help us to respond to your offer of peace, uh, regardless of who we are and what's happening in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.